Ready to pop the question and take advantage of 30% off? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com to get 30% off. Select lab-grown diamonds. That's BlueNile.com for 30% off lab-grown diamonds. BlueNile.com. This message is intended as a reminder that we are not licensed professionals, not psychiatrists or psychologists. If you have a serious problem, please seek professional help. The National Suicide Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Mic check one two. <clears throat> Mic check one two. Hearing all these letters read aloud by damsels not in distress. Hoes came to impress. Bitch, check your DMs. This is hot off the press. Hello, how are you? I am doing well. What's going on with you? Not too much. I'm starting Leslie Kahn's class tonight. Oh, this is the first one? Yeah. So this is the intensive. The comedy intensive is next. This is acting essentials. Oh, acting essential. Okay. Well, you'll have a blast. It's a great class. Many of our guests have been from there, so it'll be a good time. Yeah, I'm excited. I've just been feeling like a little overwhelmed as we all are about like what I'm doing and what I really want to focus on. And yeah, I don't know. I've always really been excited about acting, so I'm excited to take that class. But um yeah, I don't know. It's just been kind of a weird time with like work and personal projects. Have you been feeling? Well, I think especially during this time, like when your life isn't as go, go, go anymore, it's hard to feel like, am I still on the correct path and achieving my goals? Because it's harder to see like um, your goals coming to fruition when you're just in your house all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just feel like, as you know, I'm like a little all over the place with like my ideas of the day. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to do a better job of like narrowing that down a little bit more and focusing on like certain I like you know what I mean? Like is it like they're always like, you know, write it down and write like the steps that you need to get there and your goals and like you know, like even with the podcast, like I feel like I have like new ideas for it every day, which you guys should go check out TikTok because I'm gonna (laughs) podcast recaps now. Um, but even that was like so exhausting putting that whole video together. Like, I don't know how these kids do TikTok. Oh, you already did it? I did one last night. Yeah. Oh, I haven't even seen it. I'll send it to you. <laughs> I'm just like putting stuff up on our page. And you're just blinding like, okay, cool. And I find out on the podcast. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah. Oh, you're just going to be a part of it where you're going to be like, because I, I do a recap of our first episode and how we had the brief sheet. TikTok's going to get my information. God, it was going to happen one way or the other. I know your face is in it, but not for too long. But I, my friend Devin was making fun of me for still not getting one the other day. I posted a couple times, but nothing really seems to be clicking. You'll get there. Yeah, I just think like as women too, we just have this like more pressure than men sometimes. I don't know. Like I just like, and it's really funny because the guest that we have on today, she has a book called Toxic Femininity in the Workplace. And she kind of like touches on this a little bit and touches on how, you know, women are sometimes held to a higher standard with the things that they put out and the work that they produce. And I feel that that is true. You know, like, have you felt 
any heavy-hitting well, my favorite is when you say something in a meeting and then somebody says the exact same thing as you, but regurgitates it in like a slightly different way. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I literally just said that. And luckily I've been at my company for almost three years now, or yeah, for three years, over three years. And, um, so like, I'm good enough friends with some of the guys there who if like, they just heard me say something, they'll usually catch it because I've called it out so many times because, um, I'm just at the point where like, I'm not afraid where if I'm about to be walked over, like I will remind you, but I will say that like that took me three years. Whereas like a man, I feel like may have felt that same comfort within a much shorter period of time. And I only like feel comfortable asserting myself there because of like the time and the work that I've put in. Well, that's great. And I feel like there's a lot of trainings and a lot of advice for men out there that is saying to do things like that. And that's something you can do to help your female colleagues. And yeah, and then Ginny, she has this really great, so the book stemmed off of a New Yorker article that she wrote. And she just gave some examples, like they're like fictional examples, fictional. But um, one was like, yeah, a woman presents her presentation in the meeting and everyone is good with all the hard work she put in and no one tries to make changes. Like no men talk over her and say this would be, and then like like they finish the meeting 10 minutes early and have no idea what to do. And it's like, it's just like really good examples like that. So I was excited she can kind of come on and, and talk about this. Cause I think it's a good time to talk about this when there is so much work put totally. out, just how we can be helping each other. Yeah. So let's chat with Jenny. All right. So we're so excited to welcome Jenny Hogan to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. And Jenny is an LA-based comedian and writer. She's written for The New Yorker. A couple other outlets too, right, Jenny? Yeah. Yeah. I write for a few different places online. Um, and I wrote a book last year. But yeah, I do a lot of comedy writing. And I write, I write a lot of tweets. That's my, my primary mode. Yes, and I've seen some of your tweets. My friends, like, message me some of your tweets all the time. And, so, <laughs> um, awesome. and then your book was based on uh, a New Yorker article you wrote, correct? It was, yeah. So I wrote a New Yorker article in, like, probably, like, early 2018. It was right at the start of the Me Too movement. And then um, from there, I, like, again, it's... Yeah, they were so funny. I was just reading, like, some of the examples and some of the stuff in your book. And it's just amazing because... So I did, from yeah. The tech world, yeah. Right? And I'm sure that like most of your coworkers were male. I mean, I have the opposite problem where I work with like all females, but you're working with men like almost all day. Yeah, it was all men. Do you, uh, what do you, what, where do you work? I'm in PR, so okay. like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, I mean, there were teams that had more women on it. My team, I, I worked at two different companies, I guess three, um, one was sort of a short stint, but I had a coworker who like threw a chair one time and then like eventually got fired. It was so weird. And I really like related so much to that one example that you had where like, there's a meeting and like a woman presents her PowerPoint presentation and no one interrupts her and everyone just appreciates the hard work that she did because like, I mean, it's just in anything, like when you're in a meeting or like a brainstorm and it just gets like picked apart. Yeah, totally. I wanted yeah. to ask you if like the examples in the article, were those like real examples based on people that you would talk to or like experiences that happened or how did that happen? Those are, um, it's overall fictional but it's is based on some stuff like the one about like people eating the food out of the fridge like mm-hmm. but one of my coworkers called me out because I often did eat other people's food <laughs> 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 too long, but like I also have like a really gross habit of 
like eating food that other people believe has gone bad. Like I just like don't have the same standards. Um, and like, I don't really, I only like sort of believe in refrigeration, but, um, anyway, I, um, yeah, so I would eat other people's lunches if they'd been in there a while. Um, but like, I was always getting like interrupted in meetings, but I would get interrupted. Like I, towards the end, like I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even pay attention to meetings because I just assumed no one was going to ask me. And then like one guy, like trying to be a fucking like male feminist would like ask me something when I was like clearly on my phone and hadn't been listening at all. And I'd be so annoyed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was so funny. I was just at that part in your book about like, are you like, a real feminist, a feminist just to like be hitting on other people or are you like a loaf of bread? And I was like literally cracking up reading that because it basically kind of like breaks down like are you doing this for the right reasons? Like are you sticking up for women because you truly believe like they deserve equal rights or are you just like trying to hit on Yeah, totally. Yeah. And it's just like very impossible to tell or like just like desperate to consider yourself like a male feminist. No, it's funny because like even my dad when like the whole like Me Too thing like was really popular and like he was like well you never like you never gotten any like weird messages yeah. or anything like that and I was like dad like on a yeah. weekly if not daily basis yeah. like it's they're like so like far removed from just well breaking. one realization I had maybe like a year ago which is probably late for me to have this realization is that like men don't know as much about catcalling because women don't get catcalled when they're with men like yeah and it's just like they don't realize how like ubiquitous it is because it's like guys are way less likely to call someone who's like with the guy right because they'll like respect the guy but like yeah. forget about respecting the woman yeah exactly yeah i was just gonna say i was watching this like like a tiktok video or something and this girl was in this uber and the uber driver like had like was like reaching his hand back and like pretending like he was like looking for his phone like under the seat and kept like touching like her leg she was like is there a problem is there a problem he's like no i'm just looking for my phone and for some reason, I, like, really resonated with that. And I was, like, I was, like, what has, like, I literally buried it down so far that, like, one time I was in the me- on the metro in D.C. And this, like, really disgusting guy sat next to me and was, like, doing something weird with his hand where he was, like, on my thigh, like, getting close to my crotch. And I was, like, pushing him away. But, like, I should have said something in the moment, but then you, like, kind of get scared for your life. Exactly. And, like, if they yeah. have a gun on them or oh. something. But it was just interesting to me that I like resonated with it so much. And then I was like, oh yeah, because that's literally happened to me and I've tried to like block it out. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I know yeah. it is insane how it's just like we suppress these things because it's too much touch yeah. of them all the time. For yeah. sure. Cause I feel like the argument with like uh Christine Blase Ford was yeah. like, well, she would remember this, right? And it's like, yeah, exactly. exactly trying oh, not to remember yeah. it. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I don't know did you read um Chanel Miller's book know my name I read like the first third and like couldn't get through it not because it wasn't good it was just like really a lot but I want to I want to read it for sure it's a really good book but she talks about the same thing with cat calling and also she talks about the Chrissy um Ford trials and how like any woman who has been through that sort of thing just like resonated so heavily with it and it was like you couldn't for women at least who have like experienced this type of thing, it was like no question that she was telling the truth because like the courage it takes to get up to do that. And like, nobody wants to talk about these experiences. I just remember like being in the gym and watching that and like just bawling my eyes out, like not being able to control it because like you just know like what she was going through took so much strength. Yeah, exactly. And to like get all those death threats in front of people. Yeah, yeah. No, I was very, definitely very emotional. And I also found, yeah, Chanel Miller's book, I just, like, 
it just it was so well written and it just like hit me so hard but I want to I also was in like a really probably like a particularly depressed place when I was reading it but I I would like to read it for sure I read like one of her like humor pieces for the New Yorker recently and it was so funny she's like such a good writer she's really talented yeah in so many different ways but I was also watching one of your stand-up videos a little while ago when I was just kind of getting into the stand-up around the LA scene and it was so funny because you were doing your jokes and the one set that you have recorded I think you have a couple videos of the one set the one guy is just like you say a joke and he's like, oh, that's funny. Like, that's funny. Do you know, like, do you know, I know what I hate, People do that and I, like, hate it. Like, it's like, I get that they're trying to, it's just like laugh. Like, that's so dumb. I don't know. Um, yeah, I hate it. And it's just like a chance for them to kind of, like, interrupt what I'm doing, basically. I know, because it was so funny because, like, I just, like, I'm like, okay, great. She's got your approval, like, to do stand-up. Like, that she's already uh, That's exactly what it is. It's, like, they're, like, wait. I'm, like, no, the normal response is to laugh. There's also, like, a scrub. I don't know. Did you guys ever watch Scrubs? Yes. Okay, there's that. When he's dating Mandy Moore, and, like, one of his complaints about her is that he doesn't laugh. He just says that's funny. And, like, I remember watching it, like, years ago and being, like, oh, he's, this is, like, supposed to be an example of a ridiculous complaint because who cares? But now I'm, like, no, if I were dating someone who didn't laugh and just said that's funny, I would break up with them. Like, there's just, like, no way it would work out. Because yeah. it also feels like the syndrome of, like, he's being, like, that's funny, but I'm, like, the funny judge. Yes, like, I'm <laughs> the you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I'll get, like, comments on YouTube videos that are, like, that are like guys being like, I don't normally think women are funny, but this isn't bad. And I'm like, that's- Oh my God, the worst. I think that that's nice, you know? When you decided to write your book, is that when you stopped your career in tech or did you, like, how did that transform into where you are now? Yeah, so I um, so I worked in tech for three years. I was a data scientist and I was mostly on, I was at three different companies and I mostly was on the engineering team. So almost all my coworkers were men. Um, and a lot of them were just like, just behaved so egregiously. Um, I quit working in tech in like 2017, early 2017. And I had basically that whole year before then, um, I had been doing stand up and working in tech. And I had just become like so obsessed with stand up. And I was doing it like four or five hours a night, just way underwater at work. And like, I at first I had like a really easy job. And then I got switched to this more intense team. So like, I was just like not sleeping and everything was kind of, I was just like so burnt out. So I quit the tech industry or I quit that job to take like a three month break and go stay at my parents in New York. And then I had intended to go back into tech, but I was living with my parents and I had like picked up some like side work and was just like doing a lot of stand up. So I just never ended up going back into it. But I got the book deal like almost a year after I had left my tech job. And it was like that year. And not that like once I got the, I, I haven't like worked odd jobs, not even odd jobs, but like recently I've only had writing jobs, which is cool, but I don't even like, it's not that if I, you know, in the next two years work a job that's not a writing job, I'll feel like I haven't been succeeding at writing. But like in the year that I was making like no money writing and quit the tech industry, I was like very like kind of lost and just didn't know what I was doing and didn't know if I'd ever be able to like make money at comedy. Um, so that was like very, uh, so getting the book was sort of like the first, it felt like kind of like the first break. And I continued to, I have been, I've worked as like an SAT tutor and um, I was like a dating writer for a while and stuff. So I've had a bunch of jobs in between, but like, that's kind of the first time I was like, oh, I think I can like make comedy work as a career. But it took like, it took a year of not doing anything else, which was a, almost like a bad idea. Like I would kind of recommend people not quit their main job until they like 
have some indication that they're going to make money at comedy because it was just like a pretty like brutal year. Yeah. I worked in tech and did stand up. Like I had some coworkers who wanted to come to my shows and, and they did. And it was like a fratty, like it was like a mortgage company with a lot of finance people and it like everyone went out and partied all the time and stuff. So it wasn't that weird that coworkers wanted to come, but I like didn't really want my boss to know. And like at, by the end of it, I was doing stand up like seven nights a week. And I one time directly, my boss asked how often I did it. And I said, like, I did it twice a week. And then like a week later, I quit my job and I was like, I'm going to go do this thing I told you that I, I mean, I didn't say it was to do comedy, but it was like very just like clear that I had been sort of hiding. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's funny. He's like, how often do you do it? You're like, I'm making a video now. So you can yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm tweeting in this meeting. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're in tech and it's kind of interesting. Like, I don't want to like pigeonhole like which side of your brain like you're using more, but it is kind of interesting that you were in this tech field and like, I guess, when were you starting to feel like, you know, maybe you weren't being fulfilled by, like, that corporate job, or, like, was there any kind of inspiration behind, like, comedy and writing? Yeah, so it's kind of weird. I worked at Facebook, and they gave us ad credit as, like, an employee benefit, and I was like, this is so dumb. Who wants this? But I decided since I had free Facebook ads, I was gonna, like, run dating ads for myself, and, like, just as, like, a joke, and then I, like, I, I was a data scientist, so I, like, crunched some numbers on it and, like, wrote a blog post about it, and then I had so much fun writing the blog post, and the blog post, like, initially, it was, like, pretty, like, statistical, and, like, I wanted to find some, like, statistically relevant results, but I kept doing this with, like, other parts of my data, dating life, like, I scraped data from, like, OkCupid and, like, that kind of thing, and um, I uh, just kept, like, writing this blog that was ostensibly a data blog, but, like, it became more and more joke heavy. And I started to get like angry emails from like statisticians being like, your statistics are not rigorous. And I was like, I cannot give two shits. Like, please leave me alone. Um, but that's sort of when I got into comedy and I was like, oh, maybe I'm, I like writing funny things. But then um, I would say I was never particularly fulfilled by like, I, I studied math in college and then I studied statistics um, for a year. And I really liked the academic pursuit of those things and but once I started working in tech I was never really fulfilled by the work like programming can be fun and it can um be fun to like solve a problem or whatever but like so much of what I was doing was like making graphs or like even worse like some corporate person higher up would be like we need to show that this trend is going up whether or not the trend is actually going up so like sort of like how to like manipulate the data to get some false result um, that's like what I spent like most of the time doing. And I basically, my boss at the, um, last company I worked at, he like had left and I didn't have a new boss for like a month and tech startups are so disorganized that like I had a month where I like had nothing to do. So I signed up for a stand up comedy class. And then like, that was just kind of like the end of it. I like, I never wanted to do my job again. And I kept doing my job for like a year and a half, but like, I, like any free moment at work I would like write jokes and stuff and it was just like so much more fulfilling and fun yeah can you talk a little bit about your dating ads and how you were using your dating life as part of your comedy yeah totally so I um the dating ads like I, I have been sing. I mean the weird thing is like I've had I've actually I like say that I'm always single I've had a lot of boyfriends but they're always kind of short-lived so like I've mostly been single since I was like 22 and um I like just I was obsessed with dating apps as soon as I got on them I just found them so fascinating and with the ads like I just thought it was so funny to think about like trying to advertise myself as like a product basically and be like um 
like people used to date off dating ads and it sort of seemed like a weird combination of like you know that like pina colada song and then like what people are doing with like apps so I just thought it was like kind of funny but in terms of using it in my comedy like I think like my comedy came and probably still comes from like a place of like self-deprecation and that's kind of like the ultimate thing like it's like part of what's so funny or what was so funny to me about the blog that like it's like for me to get a lot of data on online dating I had to be so bad at online dating because (laughs) otherwise I would have like found a boyfriend but it was like I went on like over a hundred first dates in like two years or something and it's like you just have to be really bad at first dates to go on that many you know but like it like was so easy to make fun of myself for it because I was just like so bad at it and I think it also came from a place of like and it still is true with my comedy where like if I make fun of myself or something it like it's almost like I'm getting something out of a thing that otherwise would just be bad you know like it's like I could be going on all these bad dates and just feel bad about myself and that sucks but I could use it in my comedy and then I'm like at least like repurposing it um so I think in terms of using dating in my comedy it comes from a place of being like genuinely unsuccessful at it that's basically the same thing Hannah said about how like using it in her comedy ends up being like a useful uh time frame yeah exactly yeah totally well I like to think that the stuff because I feel like I'm very bad at it too and I've frequented the apps over the years but I would like to see that's true of like men that just like are not mentally stable on there because exactly yeah just so many weirdos I sound like my mom like yeah. there's so many weirdos <laughs> on there but like there are like I didn't think it would be like like as stupid as it sounds like I didn't think it'd be that hard to find a boyfriend like yeah and I think like yeah that's so true and I also when I say bad at it I don't even mean like bad at like getting a guy attracted to me even though I often feel the way but like bad at figuring out who to go out with like there were so many times where I just agreed to go out with someone who I'm like if I had thought about this for 10 minutes I would have known it'd be a waste of time like I just I was like bad at every level of it like I just would like yeah like it but the people are crazy for sure like there were so many online dates I had that were just like so insanely boring and I'm like why didn't I talk to this person for like five minutes beforehand I know my therapist is literally like you could like be a little bit more selective Chloe and like usually it's like the opposite of like someone being too picky but yeah. I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like I don't have a certain type. So like, I kind of like let a lot of different people in, but then, yeah, like, like you said, it's like, what's nice now is like FaceTime dating and kind of screening. That. I loved it. Yeah. 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 Which awesome. we should talk about because you met, did you meet your boyfriend during quarantine or? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Are you actively in the FaceTime dating right now? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in and out of it. I'm pretty burnt out on that too. I gotta be honest. Like, I was telling Lauren the other day, like, I just jumped on a FaceTime date, and the guy started talking, and I was like, I don't care what you're saying right now. Like, I just, yeah. I'm just kind of burnt out on dating right now, but in the beginning, I was like, get my glass of wine. I was like, yeah. Let's FaceTime. yeah. Okay. I used to, yeah, I would schedule, like, three in one night, because it was the only day I could <laughs> on, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, like, knock them out, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, yeah, it's funny, because, like, I've been in a relationship for a while, and I feel like the dating apps are definitely glorified to, like, non-single people, because, like, they're these curated images, so when you see your friends, like, swiping right and left, it feels like, oh, wow, like, that actually, like, looks fun, like, that, that seems, but then you hear stories like this, and it sounds so awful, because, like, my, 
I've never been on a dating app. So my remembrance of single life is like in college where you're meeting people all the time. Um, and I feel like when I tell my single friends now, like this being single is the best time of your life. Like enjoy it. Like remember this time that it's like, it's skewed now because with people meeting on the apps and having that basically with quarantine being the only time where you can meet people, it's no longer like what single life used to be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, college single life was like very fun. Yeah. Well, I it, but it like obsessed me with it to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's so true that the apps are just like this glorified version. And even like FaceTiming someone, it's like if the FaceTime date's only like half an hour, they might really be like on in a way that they're not like Yeah. But yeah. it's just nice like to like do a little screening because like even like when I was like FaceTiming people, um there was this one guy and like I've talked about him before like we had really good text conversation and we FaceTime he was like he was a little socially awkward and I was like well at least like in the past like in the old days like like I would have had to like get in an Uber and like sit there and like drinks with him and like yeah all right how like looking at the exit like how do I get out of here like and it's just kind of like do a little screening but did you meet your current boyfriend on an app? I did yeah we met on Hinge also your cat is very cute I can't tell if it's (laughs) far away he usually is lots of bathroom, but today we're like okay. out. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we met on Hinge and we, like, the weird thing, this is, like, so dramatic of me, but not really because it's, like, quarantine and, and nothing is crazy anymore. Like, but I um, had been, like, I had a month-to-month apartment in L.A. that, like, sucked and I had, like, given notice on it and booked a flight back to New York because I, like was my parents live there and I was like I'll just save some money on rent if I'm gonna like be super depressed and then I went on like a FaceTime day with him and it was like three hours I still had my apartment for another month like I'd already paid through the month and so then I like canceled my flight and I was like okay if this is gonna like I was just like I mean it was definitely my best FaceTime date although I had one I actually had some like pretty decent FaceTime dates and I met up with a few people in person but I had one really good other FaceTime date with a guy who then dumped me because of my tweets which was like just too much but like we FaceTime for like two hours a different night but anyway um Sam my my boyfriend he yeah the FaceTime date was just like so good and then he like asked me immediately if I wanted to hang out in person like the next um like in the next two days and like the date we had scheduled was like the day before my flight and I was like am I gonna go on a date with him and then be like by the way I'm moving tomorrow like that's just like weird um so yeah then I I canceled my flight and then um it kind of just like just kept going consistently from there and then the nice thing is that the people I was subletting from I was kind of just like can I just stay one more month just to like feel this out and they really wanted me to because it's impossible to get anyone to fill anything right now so like the housing ended up being pretty simple. Um, Wait, can we go back to he dumped you because of your tweets? Yeah, yeah, it was Sorry. so crazy. I mean, I was tweeting. I was really upset about Tara Reid and Biden, and like, I'm not even upset about it. It's just like I had tweeted something about it, and the responses were really crazy. And so I was like tweeting about like sexual assault, which made it even worse because I was like, dude, I don't think you want people to know that. I don't think you should have like connected it to like me complaining about sexual assault kind of like that was sort of yeah it was so weird but like he was mad that I mean my tweets are mostly like silly and then every once in a while I'm serious and this was like a more serious thread of tweets and it was all on the same topic and it was just like very strange I don't know like I was like pretty grossed out but he seemed really excessively sort of like corporate and like kind of like obsessed with like optimizing and stuff but like we had a really nice conversation and we had like plans to meet up in person and like 
it was just so weird but he broke up with me before we met up in person it was just like very weird I was gonna say like your article is relatively serious too and what led to the premise of your book that it, it feels weird that he didn't know that like that's part of you right Exactly. And like, I always think that my online persona is going to like turn people off. But I like my Twitter can be sexually explicit, like my standup sexually explicit. And then I have stuff that's more serious. And I'm like, pretty open about like, I'm, I'm open about stuff related to like addiction and everything. And I just like want someone to know like as soon as possible and to not have it to not have someone like learn that later and be turned off basically. Um, so I was glad, honestly, that it like happened earlier and that he had like Googled me, but, um, it was very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he hadn't Googled me before the first day, which is also normal. It's like, there's now so much information on any one person that like, you can't do that much research before a first date. Yeah. Well, we talk about this a lot, like while I'm dating and doing this podcast and like making jokes and talking about men, right. like. And we talked to Dana a little bit about it too. And she was like, yeah, back when I had like 500 followers, some guy dumped me because I like tweeted about him, tweeted about my ex or something. But it sounds like this guy was like a little bit more mad about like the political tweets or? Yeah, it, the tweets were definitely not at all connected to him. He was mad. I think like he was mad that I was just being kind of like contentious because it was like, I, I mean, I will tweet out a lot of contentious things and I get in arguments about politics, but like it was like a, I guess like, people were maybe being more like I was being angry and people more people were coming at me than, than usual or whatever um yeah but I've had guys get mad about tweets I'm trying to think of what like it, it happened more in the beginning of my stand-up when like guys would think any joke about like an arbitrary sex thing was about them even though like so little of my sex jokes are about specific people like it's more like if it's like a specific reference to something like then that's like more likely to be like my boyfriend now is like obsessed with David Lynch which is just like kind of it's I mean I'm trying to saw your tweet today that said (laughs) like he talked to me about David Lynch and told me more about him (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I know that David Lynch is like a common obsession but I'm trying to figure out what are like stereotypes about people who are obsessed with David Lynch so I can like narrow in this bet because he's like really obsessed with David Lynch but anyway um that stuff is like about a particular person I don't know have you had guys like be uh, like uh, gone on dates with guys who were like oh so the guy that I'm currently seeing listens and it just was like he was listening to previous episodes where I'm talking about like my bad dates and like how I hooked up with my neighbor and like all this stuff and he's been extremely cool about it which I appreciate but I'm just like you know, I like, I like that you're supporting me. You're being cool about this. Cause it's just like, not every day, like you don't start dating girls and then hear about their date, like immediate dating history right away. Like, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a new experience. So yeah. he's like really cool and supportive of it, which I appreciate. But, um, yeah, but so your current boyfriend, is he in comedy or? He's not, he is in entertainment though, which is okay. good. like a musician. He writes the score for like film and, um, TV awesome. shows. Yeah, and it's good because it's like he knows a lot about the industry, but we don't have any like professional overlap. I will say one big difference is like social media is not at all a big part of his career. Like it's not, he's he's personally not into it. I don't think it would like do, like it's just not a focus of what he does. So like the social media stuff with like Twitter is like pretty, I feel like it, I'm always worried he's going to be like so weirded out by it, but he also is like very chill about it. And any, any time I tweet something about him, I like run it by him. If it's like clear that he's like kind of the butt of the joke, like if it's yeah. me making fun of my own neurotic stuff, I'll just tweet it. But if, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, my boyfriend, I talk about him a lot on this and he listens to it before um, we publish it. And he'll always be like, cut that part out. Like get to the T <laughs> of the podcast. Like none of that is interesting. Like I want to hear about the other girl's drama. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. That's funny that he's like trying to get you to like edit out stuff about him, but like saying it's like, oh no, it's to streamline the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm also like way nicer to him on the podcast than I am on real life. I feel like because it's like from it, like I can recognize we have like a healthy relationship, but like to him, I, I'm not going to be like, I, I just don't feel the need to like do a lot of things for him and like be super nice to him in person. So it's like, I feel like the relationship I portray on here is like different than like our actual dynamic. How long have you been <laughs> with your boyfriend? Five years. So we're like extremely comfortable. Right. Yeah. You can't be nice to someone for five years. That's so no. <laughs> have you dated comedians in the past I have and it has not been, I mean some of them were well I've like slept with a lot of comedians um I guess I had one boyfriend who was a comedian and he was really nice we didn't date for that long and then so I'm like a really good person and we didn't have any like super intense conflicts but one thing is like he did this thing we were dating around the time we were dating on that the article examples of toxic femininity came out and then like in the next like month I got like a manager and um and like I sort of felt like stuff had started to move professionally and he was very much like he already like had a manager and was like further along and he was very much like okay well like don't get your hopes up like just so you know like people get like you know I just don't want you to like get like people get a lot of these intro emails and it doesn't go anywhere and stuff which is true you know it's weird because like my manager is the first person who ever like emailed me from the industry and but since then I've had so many intro emails that didn't go anywhere but like he just definitely kept trying to be like, don't, you know, like, don't let it all go to your head. Like, it's going to move really slowly or whatever, which, like, ultimately it did. But it just happened that at the time that we were dating, things were, like, moving a little bit faster. But um, that's, like, my only, like, gripe with dating him. My only, like, comedy-related gripe about him. And then I, like, was sleeping with co this comedian for, like, months and months in New York who was, like, just, like, very negative on my career and, like, just kind of, like, took every opportunity to, like, they're like, oh, you only got booked because they're, you're a woman or like this and that. Like, it, he was just like the worst. That was like a really oh negative dating comedian experience. But other than that, the, and then there were just like a bunch of people that like slept with around a random basement who were like mostly fine. But it sounds like you found some compatibility on the dating apps. And yeah. our letter today deals with someone who is not. So it says, dear damsels, I'm a young woman who lives in New York City. I've been single time with, but I hate the dating apps. I never feel like I make a genuine connection with someone on them and have never gotten past a third date. I connect with people better when I meet them in person through mutual friends or an activity because I'm all about personality and I don't really have a type. It can be really limiting, especially during a time like this when you're not really meeting new people. Do I push myself to go through with the apps even though I don't enjoy them or do I just accept that I'm going to be single for a bit until things start opening up more? Sincerely, all about the vibes. In terms of waiting for things to open back up, like, I feel like even when, like, bars were open and stuff, I still, like, had zero luck meeting people out in the real world. But you could also, you can always accept being single for a while if it just, like, makes you happier or something, you know? Yeah, or if you're burnout, which it sounds like I, like, as I was talking earlier, like, I was feeling really burnout and I still am. And it's okay to take a break and then just kind of see how this new world continues to unfold. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, once you have that break and kind of have that refresher to, like, get back to yourself, go back on them would be probably my main piece yeah. of advice. I really, I relate, though, to, like, because I, I don't, I have, like, a, I think I have 
just very particular standards over like personality and I am pretty like in terms of like looks like I definitely have like a type that I think is more attractive but I also like if I met someone with a cool personality I like would not care what they look like and like it does make online dating so much harder because it's just like you can get a much better sense of what someone looks like before you've met them than you can like their personality so it does just like it kind of just requires going on many more dates basically I feel the same way. Sometimes I'll see like an attractive person and be like, ah, but they probably have a horrible personality. So yeah. I feel like I'm really like uh, conscientious and definitely have like certain uh, qualifications they need to meet personality wise. Um, and that's, I kind of agree with you, Chloe, that like it probably is best to just take a break while if it's not working out on the apps, because you're right. Like, I think you can definitely get burned out on them. We hear that all the time. And Honestly, like we've talked about before, and I know this gets redundant, but like taking a class or doing anything to like spice up your daily routine, um, because one, you can meet people, but like not even just for the meeting people point, but just that like there's something else in your life that's giving you interest, which then I feel like you'll be focusing on that, that when you do decide to like go back on the apps or like who knows when things will be open, but I wouldn't wait forever for that. Um, you can have a little bit more interest when you get back into it. And so we were talking earlier, like I was like, you get on the apps and like you said, Jenny, like they're so superficial that you're like, okay, I'm only going to let five eleven like yeah. brunette men. In. But then like I've met people in person and it's like all that criteria goes out the window because I'm getting along with them. And like, they're, you know what I mean? Like, or I met them in class, like in like an in-person class whenever they were available. But it's just so hard on the apps because yeah, you don't get a feel for this person and, I would also say, like we're saying earlier, like do the FaceTime dates if you're like not sure. Like, don't just go like rush out and like meet people without kind of screening them and like seeing what they're like first. Yeah, yeah. Two of the guys in the last like two years who I had like a really good connection with were both people I probably would not have like swiped right on on a dating app, and like I just met them through other means, and they kind of like I hadn't started thinking about whether or not I was interested in them when I started talking to them. And then they just like, I just found my personality sort of feeling. So it's hard on dating apps because it's like, you want to be picky and you want to make sure you're not going out with people who are going to waste your time. But then you're also probably saying no to people who like be good matches. Yeah. So I, yeah, I would also just recommend taking a break. And then like, it's just so nice. Like, I feel like it makes a world of difference to go into the date, like assuming that it, it will be good and if you've been on like a bunch of bad dates in a row that's like harder to do so if you like take a break and like rest up I think that, that can be really helpful also how many guys on there like don't photograph very well if a guy photographs really well and then it's like way out there in person it's like that's um I feel more yeah. I'd rather they be bad in pictures that's true I was just talking about this with my uh with my friend my girlfriend who's my neighbor I was like who would take like and like I don't know. It's hard because you're like digging through like and trying to like you want to find like this gem who just doesn't take very good pictures but is so great in person. But then you have these guys on there taking like <laughs> model shots of them like walking down the street like taking their like sunglasses <laughs> off and like who's taking these for you? And like also like no. Like, like I just I mean that like tells you a lot about their personality too. They're like having like shots like in front of like you know like the ones in front of their car and stuff. I'm just like good. You want an Instagram boyfriend. Right, yeah. (laughs) Not them to be the boyfriend that's on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. It's so funny because you see all these people that are like so big on TikTok now. Like there's this one guy that's really popular and does all these like funny TikTok videos and all these girls who's like, oh, I want to date him. I want to date him. But it's like, imagine dating him and he's like, hey, I need you to leave. Like I need to film my TikTok videos. 
<laughs> you're just like, <laughs> like I, yeah I mean I'm like always like trying to take photos of myself and like I was at my boyfriend's parents house and like it was timer like because they just had like an interesting looking chair and I was like oh my god if they walk in on me right now I'm gonna be like mortified like me <laughs> and I'm like there's son's new girlfriend who's taking photos of herself at like six in the morning like it's brutal yes yeah. like we're in showbiz I don't know what to tell you your son's with someone in showbiz like any other advice for her just take a break I think taking a break is great yeah and it's like I think that people are like gonna have a new lease on life kind of when stuff starts to open up and I bet people will be like even if it's like I think it's like people will be friendlier to each other just like in public spaces and it might as much I'm sorry I said the thing about how I <laughs> couldn't meet people at bars that was probably very pessimistic but like it might be even before bars and stuff are open it might be easier to meet someone in like a socially distanced way like a newfound optimism once the city comes back to life a little no, bit. No, I feel the same way as you were saying too. It's like, I always say I'd love to meet someone organically. And then you go out with like these like hopes of meeting your soulmate and you're just like sitting at the bar for two hours. And you're like, okay, can we just go home and snap now? Like it's just like, but yeah, like you were saying like now, like it's like people are going to kind of cherish those interactions a little bit more. So she might have a little bit more luck when things open up. Yeah, totally. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on, Jay. It was awesome having you. Fun. Um, and then do you want to plug where people can find you, like your Instagram and Twitter and stuff? Yeah, I'm Ginny Hogan underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Ginny with an I. And I tweet a lot. So if you like tweets, <laughs> you can go find them there. Buy her book too. It's amazing. Toxic yeah. femininity in the workplace. Yeah, I link to it on my Twitter. Thank you so much for um for reading it and for getting yeah, it. Of course. I needed some more pool books, so that was a really, really good oh, Do you have a pool at your apartment? You. it's been like life-saving oh that's amazing I'm very jealous well thank you again yeah thank, thank you so much it was great virtually meeting you wow. I always just say wow they're always such great chats I have nothing else to say but it was great okay <laughs> phenomenal woman I love a boss lady yes she's great so excited she came on um I think I've seen her do stand-up too it's funny because like all these open mics beforehand I feel like some of these people still frequent them so yeah want to see them there but then like see how established they are and talk to them personally too she also reminded me that um so our chat with jimmy when we were talking about like how nobody was going to do improv classes like improv was over uh cue me saying that a few weeks ago uh i just signed up for another improv class that i'm doing over zoom for with who is it groundlings Groundling. yeah i'm doing the intermediate level and I'm such a loser because we were like, are they going to like offer intermediate? Like, how can you do it if it's over Zoom? Cue to me signing up for it. Well, that's exciting. You have to let us know how it goes. I just decided it was time to get back in. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think it'll be a fun thing to do over Zoom. I felt like you um, just wanted to like shake up the career stuff a little bit. And it seemed like a fun thing to do. Thank you guys for tuning in. Go follow Jenny on everything. Write us letters. Write us the letters. Follow our social medias. Apparently follow the TikTok, which I've never looked at in my entire life. I hope you enjoy. Um, I believe I'm going to start investing more time into the TikTok. I don't want to make promises, but... She believes. We'll see how the videos do. It's going down in the DMs. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.